Welcome back to the Do Theology Podcast. We have a bonus episode for you today, a surprise episode in a lot of ways. It's a quick conversation, but a very dense conversation with Tom Askell about the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. And this episode is brought to you by West Eden. Go to westeden.co and get yourself 15% off by using code DOTHEOLOGY15 at checkout. Need to buy some birthday presents, anniversary presents, little nifty gifties here or there. It's never too early to get started on Christmas shopping. Go to westeden.co, get 15% off, check out the amazing Christian merch they have over there. Well, without any further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with Tom Askell. All right. Well, I'm joined today by Tom Askell, the president of Founders Ministries, as well as the president of the Institute of Public Theology. He's the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. And you've been preaching through the book of Romans for how long now? Oh, let's see. I think I am in my uh, fourth year, but I had some interruption early on. Okay. Yeah, about four years. Yeah, you could you could spend the rest of your life in Romans. Yeah, uh, I hope right. it's been a delight for you. It really has. Just started chapter thirteen, which is uh, marvelous. And and looking for quite person. relevant. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about the convention that happened last week. Uh, in just a few words, how would you sum up the SBC convention that just took place in Anaheim? Well, um, I think I would maybe say more of the same. You know, what we've seen the last few years, we're continuing on the same trajectory. And uh, there's a lot of wonderful things about the SBC, but there's some pretty uh, serious issues that we need to confront. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that we'll, we will confront them and confront them well. But there seems to be a lot of impetus right now to just kind of keep things going the way they've been going uh, for a while. And, you know, I, I think that that if it's not addressed and we don't have some honest conversations, that that could be problematic going forward. Now, you, of course, ran for president and mm -hmm. you really positioned yourself as the most conservative candidate. And you had an ambitious plan to change the direction of the SBC. There was even a hashtag, change the direction. And, of course, you ended up losing out on the presidency to Bart Barber. Were you surprised at the results of that election? Well, I didn't really have uh, strong expectations one way or the other. Uh, people were asking me, you know, I said, well, I don't know. I obviously wouldn't have allowed myself to be nominated if I didn't want to win. I was willing to serve, but I had no idea uh, what would happen. And, you know, the messengers made their decisions and decided that uh, Bart was more trustworthy with the responsibility than I was. And I accept that from God. So while my desire and will wasn't accomplished, I trust the Lord's was. And I'm very content with that. What did you want to change in the SBC to effectively change its direction? Well, I wanted to change the dialogue uh, first and foremost. I mean, we've got just a lot of uh, uh, ungodly kind of uh, activities and, and um, conversation. I mean, we just, there's no fear of God. We got people that are lying, outright lying. It's, it's, there's no doubt. I'm not trying to be unnecessarily harsh or, or offensive, but whenever you have people that are recorded, in their own voices lying and then admitting that they've lied and laughing it off as if it's no big deal. Um, there's no fear of God in that person's life and those that are around him. Same thing with the stuff that uh, has been exposed with the sex abuse task force report. 
Uh, most of the things that were in the guidepost report were public before they made them, uh, put them all together in that report. But there were some things that we had not known about before. But people don't act like that. And you don't cover up uh, for folks that have been guilty of that kind of sin and crime if you are fearing God. And so my great desire, which is not any kind of official responsibility that the president has, but I just wanted to push a conversation of saying, hey, brothers, sisters, can we talk about the fact that there's a God in heaven and we will all stand before him and give an account one day. And it matters how we carry out business in the churches of Jesus Christ and how we relate to one another and how we unite together for common cause. And so those were things when, and you know, some of that's happening. I'm glad for that. I, I think, uh, there's been some good conversations even in the last couple of days, and hopefully there'll be more going forward, but I would have had an opportunity to do more of that uh, as president, but I'm going to continue to talk about those things. I've been talking about them for years, so it's not like my personal agenda has changed at all. You know, I'll continue to do what God's called me to do just in the uh, relationships and responsibilities that he's entrusted to me. Amen. Yeah, you're already president of enough things as it is, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, um, just in case anyone listening to this is wondering and, and isn't aware, I mean, I, and I think I might not be fully aware, I have some idea. When you say people have been lying and they're recorded as lying, you know, my mind is going to the, the Tom Buck issue that's right. going on right now. Is that, is that what you had in mind or could you yeah, explain that? Not the only thing, uh, but that is uh, certainly uh, significant. I mean, Todd, Todd Binker, who's kind of come out as a hero for caring for sex abuse survivors, just lied straight out to Tom Buck. And it was all recorded in conversations they were having. And Todd tried to deny it. And Tom, Tom confronted him on it. And then Tom produced the evidence of it. And the response that he got from Todd was, well, if it makes you feel better, I'll apologize. And I'm thinking, seriously? Uh, that was it. But it also, it's not just that, but the provost at Southeastern Seminary, Keith Whitfield, lied to his, um, his president, to Danny Aiken. And this was also recorded. Everybody knew it was being recorded. But he deceived his president for two weeks or so about the shenanigans that he was involved with and Karen Swallow Pryor. And uh, when Danny asked him about it, he, he you know, pretended like there was a third party involved until he finally came clean and said, you know, I, I'm the third party. I'm the guy that went to Karen. So, uh, again, what is that? I, I mean, we all sin. I'm not suggesting that we're not sinners, but uh, but people who fear God don't sin very successfully. And we, we, we repent when we are uh, confronted with sin. So those are the kinds of things. There's more, but those are probably two of the most verifiable public things. And I just, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we're dealing seriously enough with God. I think God is too inconsequential for us today in the language of David Wells. Well, then there was the whole Rick Warren kerfuffle. Uh, and if I was just to give a, a real high level overview here, just to, to set it up, Saddleback Church is a church that's within the Southern Baptist Convention. Last year, they ordained women. Now they are installing a man to replace Rick Warren as lead pastor, and his wife is going to continue being teaching pastor as she is now at their current church. And this led to the Credentials Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention discussing what to do with the church, which led to Rick Warren giving an interesting speech on the floor of the convention, which led to a Washington Post article and one of the SBC seminaries presidents saying that there should be a study on how closely churches should have to follow the doctrinal statement in the first place. So what, what should happen with Saddleback Church? What should happen here? It seems like it's getting muddier and not clearer. 
Well, I'll tell you what should have happened is whenever the messengers uh, made the appeal that Saddleback Church was outside the boundaries of the Baptist faith and message, which is the uh, confession of the Southern Baptist Convention, the Credentials Committee should have looked at what Saddleback does and did by very famously and celebratorily uh, ordaining three women pastors last year and then read the simple statements in the Baptist faith and message, which clearly say that the office of pastor is limited to qualified men and said, you know what, Saddleback's no longer within the parameters and the borders of our cooperation and should have just made that uh, known to the convention for a very simple uh, declaration. But they got cold feet for whatever reason. I don't know, but it, it boiled down to we just we're not sure what a pastor is. We need to take a year and study what a pastor is. And, you know, it's like we're back at the Supreme Court hearings again, where Supreme Court justice, potential justice says, I don't know what a woman is. Um, th these things are not hard. It's, it's just anybody who's an outside observer that doesn't have all of the uh, intricate relationships and background, they just look at that and they say, what in the world is going on? Um, if we can't define what a pastor is, which is what Al Mohler finally got up and said on the floor of the convention, he was a part of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. He said, there's no doubt what we meant when we use the word pastor. Um, and I, I spoke to that as well. Uh, just I'm thinking, why are we debating this? And when Adam Greenway, the other president in Southwestern Seminary, did the motion to amend to say that we need to study you know, how much you have to agree with the Baptist faith and message. My recommendation was let's defeat this amendment, this proposed amendment, and let's, let's defeat the recommendation from the credentials committee. And let's just do what we say we're going to do and be who we say we're going to be in Southern Baptist. Uh, and we did defeat the amendment from uh, Adam Greenway. And I'm glad for that. But then the credentials committee rolled it back. And uh, so it's now kind of in abeyance again for another year. Kicking the can down the road, so to speak. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm not asking you to be a prophet here, but what does your gut intuition say? These issues you just listed off, not just the Rick Warren issue, but prior to that, I mean, what, what's going to happen with these issues within the SBC? Well, uh, I hope we'll deal with them. I hope we'll get honest and you know, be willing to have some honest conversations where we can come to a meeting of the minds if we can't come to an agreement of what ought to be done. Um, because not much of that is happening yet. I mean, I, I've attempted it. Other people have attempted it as well and um, just haven't been very successful doing that privately and with people that you know, could make a difference. So I don't know. I, I had about 200 texts or so Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, uh, many of them from pastors saying we're gone. We can't stay in the convention any longer. And, um, and I get that. I understand that kind of frustration and that sentiment. My counsel has been, brothers and churches, look, this is not the time to make that decision. You might need to make the decision in the next month or two, but give yourself a couple of months to back away, evaluate, pray, and decide, because the Southern Baptist Convention matters. There's a lot of wonderful things in the SBC, and if you're going to stay in the SBC, you ought to stay in it to try to make it better, to try to get it in a healthier direction, and of course, my perspective is that it needs to change direction from the trajectory it's on now. There are other people who disagree with that, obviously, and a majority of them showed up and, and did not vote for me uh, for president. But if, uh, if enough Southern Baptists believe that, then we need to unite together to try to change things. And, and it can change. It really can. But polity-wise, the way that it will change, the only way it can change, is by electing a president who will begin the process. And then it's going to take years for that change to finally come to pass. That's exactly what happened with J.D. Greer. Uh, he's effectively, him and Ed Litton, uh, over their four-year terms, 
they have uh, instituted quite a bit of change in the SBC. And, you know, if we're content with that, well, that's, I guess, what it'll be for years to come. But those of us that are not content with that, that think that there are better ways to cooperate together than what we've seen these last four years. Um, if enough of us can show up and say, no, we don't want to keep going this way, we would like to see a president who will uh, tap the brakes and say, let's have this conversation. Let's begin to look at things a little more uh, uh, critically and helpfully, then that can happen too. But it, it won't happen if you don't show up. You got to show up at the annual business meeting and you got to stay in the room and you got to vote. And if you're not going to do that, then I don't know why you want to be Southern Baptist. Well, uh, just like pastors shouldn't quit on Mondays, a <laughs> church shouldn't quit their denomination the same week of the convention, right? <laughs> so <laughs> give yourself a little breathing room. Uh, now, but two more questions uh, to, to wrap up. One is how, how are you going to know for yourself if mm -hmm. the convention's reached a point of being too far gone and, and it's time for you to leave? How would you ever know if you've reached that point? Yeah, well, I think the women pastor thing would be uh, a deal breaker for our church if the convention were to officially say, you know, it's okay if you ordain women as pastors, then that's a bridge too far for us. We fought those battles years ago, and we're not going to uh, just you know, roll over and pretend like that's not important. I don't think that's going to happen. It could happen. You know, I'm not a prophet on this. But uh, all of our elders went to the convention, most of them for the first time. And uh, we met earlier today, and man, some of them are shell-shocked. Uh, mm. Some members of our church, we had several people there, and um, everyone's deeply concerned about the way the business was conducted. I think it was a very poorly moderated meeting. I mean, by that, um, it, not every point was poorly moderated, but we had more gaps this year than in recent years that I can remember. And uh, just the way the messengers were treated again last year, they were treated uh, very dismissively. That happened again this year uh, from the ERLC and sometimes from the uh, moderator of the platform. So I think all of that <clears throat> has uh, been like a slap in the face to many of our members. And, and a lot more of our folks watched it online as well. So it'll be a congregational decision for us uh, to consider. But I don't, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, we want to see the SBC do better. We want to cooperate with the IMB report and seeing those missionaries being sent uh, to different nations of the world. And that's why we're in it. I mean, that's, that's what most Southern Baptists think of when you think of cooperating in the community. So our church will make that decision, but uh, we, we're not looking for a line in the sand so much. That might happen. I mean, we have them, obviously, women pastors being one of them, but uh, it'll be more trajectory. And in terms of if, if, I, I, I genuinely believe that if most Southern Baptist churches were made aware of the issues and understood how to get involved and how they can show up and make a difference, that they would be willing to do that. But, you know, maybe I'm just dreaming. You know, maybe, maybe that's just, I'm kidding myself. So uh, right now, the direction's being set by just a handful of churches. I mean, there were only 3,500 churches that sent messengers to Anaheim. We got 47,000 churches in the convention. And if, if that's the way it's going to continue to go, then, uh, you know, you've got so many of the people that show up as messengers are showing up on the cooperative program dime. They have their way paid by the entities that they work for. Mm. And, so, you know, that's an unfair advantage for just regular churches, but that's the, that's the stack deck that is, exists. And so uh, if churches are willing to let that continue on, then I'm sure many churches will have to decide, is it worth our time and energy 
uh, to continue to uh, try to see things change when there just doesn't seem to be uh, a, a groundswell of support for that. So that, that'll come to, you, you'll see more of that over the next couple of years. Well, speaking of time and energy, uh, you know, we talked about those who are considering leaving the denomination, those more conservative representatives of the denomination who don't know whether to stay or go. But you also have a very large group within the SBC that kind of have the same mentality that Rick Warren expressed, which was, hey, what are we doing fighting with each other when we can be using all this time and energy to reach the lost world with the gospel? Uh, what do you say to people who might lay that charge against you is, well, you're, you're more concerned with infighting than you are with reaching out to the lost and dying world. Yeah, well, I want to know what we're reaching out with and for. Uh, that's my concern. And if we're not taking care of things internally, then we're just going to be exporting bad things. And when Rick made that comment, you know, um, he says, man, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's yeah. quit quit about secondary matters. Well, that's fine. If that's the way we're going to be, if that's the kind of organization we're going to be, let's invite the Presbyterians and the Methodists in because we disagree with them about secondary matters too. The reason that we are Baptists is because we, we say we agree about secondary matters. We're not talking about tertiary matters. We're not talking about nodding eyes, crossing T's, eschatological views. We're talking about who has God prescribed to be the elders, pastors, bishops of local churches. And that's a pretty serious thing. He tells us that you know, the, the church is the household of God, and we, are need, we need to learn how to behave ourselves in the household of God according to the rules that he sets. And if we're not going to do that, then let's quit calling ourselves Baptists, and let's just throw the doors wide open and say, okay, anybody that believes in Jesus, hey, let's link arms and go. Wow. Well, the first time you were on our show, you said something that I actually had to type out, and I put it up on my bulletin board. You said, I want to be as broad as the Bible is broad, where the Bible is broad, and I want to be as narrow as the Bible is narrow, where the Bible is narrow. And sir, that's what you're becoming known for. And we really respect you for that. We really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, we hope the best. I I'm not a Southern Baptist. I'm, uh, my church is not an SBC church, but we are uh, very closely aligned and I want the best for that denomination. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Well, thank you very much for having me on again. And, uh, you know, pray that God will give real wisdom. Pray for Bart Barber. You know, Bart's not a bad guy at all. He's an old friend of mine. In fact, uh, I just discovered a couple of days ago, I was, came across some old correspondence. In 2018, I was encouraging him to run for president of the SBC. I will support you. You know, I will try to get people to vote for you. And uh, that didn't work out. He didn't do that. But um, anyway, Bart's a, Bart's a good guy. He's a man of integrity. And just pray for it. Pray that God will help him to see things and to be wise in his leadership. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me.